All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 145 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli, and episode 145 is brought to you by Three Ice. It's overtime all the time. Led by six Hall of Famers, Guy Carboneau, Larry Murphy, Grant Fuhrer, Joe Mullen, John LeClaire, and Brian Trotche. Three Ice is hitting eight cities over nine weeks, including two stops in Canada, coming up on July 16th in London, Ontario, and in Quebec City on July 30th. Get your tickets today at 3ice.com. That's the number 3ice.com. As uh, Frank, uh, we are uh, Monday night when we're recording this. Uh, free agency begins on uh, Wednesday. We've already had some uh, some big moves, so let's get to the uh, the trade that the, that just happened as we're uh, recording this. Uh, Matt Murray was traded from Ottawa to Toronto. Toronto gets Matt Murray. They also get a third rounder and a seventh rounder. And uh, Ottawa retains twenty five percent of the salary. Basically, uh, Ottawa um, paid two million dollars to um well, yeah, now not even yeah two just under two mil to uh to ta- have Toronto take Murray off their hands and they gave him two draft picks. Yeah, I mean we heard the rumored trade that was supposed to go down between Buffalo and Ottawa, very similar in in nature. And Matt Murray flexed the no trade card um uh, on Ottawa, understandably so, you know, player earns that right. It was up to the Sens to work with Mary more closely and getting that done beforehand. Uh, that's exactly actually what the Toronto Maple Leafs did with Peter Morazic. He, the Blackhawks ended up not being on his no trade list, but he waived completely his no trade because he wanted to facilitate a move. I don't know exactly what was presented to Morazic, but thinking back to the spot that he was in with his contract, I think the Leafs, since they weren't planning on bury, uh, buying him out, they were planning on basically burying him in the minors with the Marlies. And so sort of if you're reading between the lines for Peter Mrazek, it was, you know, you can either go to the AHL and play there or we can trade you to another NHL team. And you'll have an opportunity to play lots of games, which you'll do in Chicago. Uh, now the Leafs were in a spot entering Monday morning where they didn't have any goaltender of NHL caliber under contract. Um, And I, it's a roll of the dice. I think that's the best way to put it with Matt Murray. This is a straight up gamble. And 
He's got the pedigree, two-time Stanley Cup winner. They've got the familiarity with him having played for Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe in Sault Ste. Marie. And they've got the medical records to say that he's healthy. That's been the big question mark. Yes, Matt Murray's game has suffered. Yes, he's had a loss of confidence, but he's also struggled to stay on the ice. And so that would be the first part of this solving this riddle or solving this problem for Matt Murray to get his career back on track would just be staying upright. So that would be a step in the right direction. And now I think of utmost importance for Toronto is to get a second goaltender to play in tandem with Murray that you can trust should Murray falter. So basically, if you want to think of it from this perspective, the Leafs more or less signed Matt Murray to a two-year deal for $4.7 million, which is way more than he would have gotten on the market given his play. But given the picks that are added in to soften a bit of that blow, maybe it makes it a little bit easier to, to stand. I can just tell you the reaction, Jason, on social media and from Leaf fans everywhere is, I can't believe we're betting this 100-plus point roster on Matt Murray. Yeah, it's a it's a bold risk. And it, it's interesting. So you mentioned, Frank, 4.7 for Matt Murray. Free agency begins on Wednesday. And uh, but legally, Toronto hasn't even talked to Darcy Kemper. Um, that, that, I find that a tad odd. I just I, I'm not a big believer, uh, unfortunately, that uh, some teams all play by the rules or not. And, and maybe they've gotten wind that, uh, you know, he's going somewhere. Suddenly, Washington has gotten rid of both of their goalies here. And uh, yeah, I find that to be the most curious dot to connect is all of a sudden they trade Vanacek and now they don't qualify Samsonov. Yeah. Huh. Huh. That's weird. Goaltending is at a scarcity at the moment. And you've now deleted two from your roster. Yeah, that we're both so, under team control. Yeah, so magically, Dar like if I was connecting dots, Darcy Kemper to uh, Washington, and uh, now obviously Toronto knew where they were with Jack Campbell, and uh, felt like maybe they weren't on the same page. And I'm curious to see what kind of contract Jack Campbell's going to be because you mentioned two years at four point seven for Matt Murray. Is Jack Campbell going to get much more than four point seven on the open market? Like I was looking at at other deals, and Markstrom got six million. I don't put Campbell in that in that category. Um, in re- recent contract signings, like Billy Huso got four point seven five. Campbell probably maybe get pushes up to five million, right? Freddie Anderson only got two years uh, in in Carolina, so I'm I'm kind of curious to see what Jack Campbell gets. And this will be one where if Campbell signs for whatever it is, five over five and Matt Murray was two over 4.7 and, and Toronto's got to be in a kind of win today, not worrying about five years down the road kind of mode. Uh, they're going to need Murray. And I know that they believe that in a, and I think they, uh, they believe that in a better structured system that, uh, that Matt Murray can come back and Hey, Matt Murray in Pittsburgh was pretty good. And no one debates that, but that's, that's many years ago. So who knows? Maybe, maybe Frank, Matt Murray will be he's kind of he's he's going to take a page from the Valerie Nichushkin uh, playbook because in 2019 Valerie Nichushkin had zero goals in 57 games and he got bought out of his contract fast Wait, can forward I just finish off that thought though before you move on you asked what the market is for Campbell you mentioned five over five I think that's exactly the neighborhood that Jack Campbell's living in and Darcy Kemper, um, if I were to predict, and I again, I don't know anything for certain because no, no one's willing to talk about these things, obviously, if any rules are being broken. The rumor, the word is that Darcy Kemper was operating in a world that was five and a half times five. So um, my sense is the Leafs went with Matt Murray, probably a less than optimal choice because they got some intel on what the market has provided or what's left on the market. And they felt like that was their next best move. Yeah. They had an opportunity for a long time to get this done with Jack Campbell, just like they had an opportunity for a long time to get a contract done with Zach Hyman last year and waited until the 11th hour. And then all of a sudden circled back and said, Hey, can we get something done? And I think by that point it was like, well, you had your chance. And by the way, that kind of feels like exactly what's happening right now with Evgeny Malkin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although Malkin, you know, all the reports are he wants a four-year deal. Now I'll get to Malkin in a sec, but I want to go back to Nishushkin because Sorry. When, when you go zero, that off. 
Zero goals in 57 games in 2019. You get your contract bought out. And three years later, you sign a $50 million contract. Kids, never give up believing on yourself. As the great Stuart Smalley said, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. <laughs> and uh, so maybe Matt Murray's Nakushkin, Frank. Maybe after three years of you know struggling, he'll refine his game. Because uh, that, I'll say this about Nakushkin. Good for him. But I, I was stunned. Like eight years? Like... To me, a lot of money. It's a lot. Staple guys. The AAV feels high a little bit and the term and the term. It's not like one or the other. Like usually if the term's high, you're like, oh, well, that means it's a lower AAV to to be more cap friendly. I I don't know. Um, Maybe that's what was out there on the market for Valerie Nachushkin. Like maybe that's the type of world that he was living in. I I don't. um, He got one million Per point, Frank. One he scored fifty-two points last year, and he just signed for fifty million dollars. Yep, it sounds like a lot. You, you know, I heard this theory while I was at the draft, and I forget which GM I was talking to. Yeah, and he said, "I think I told you this, or maybe a million for every ten points." Yeah, a million for every ten points. Six point one two five is a lot different than five point two. Mm-hmm. For Valerie Nichushkin. You know, you think about the, the deals that are going to be signed this summer. Nazem Kadri, 87 points, probably somewhere in the eights. Johnny Gaudreau, 115 points, could have an AAV that starts with a 10. Uh, go down the list. Even some of the smaller guys with ARB cases, you, you saw so many QOs that were not offered. The reason is teams are afraid with little cap space of what the arbitration or arbitrator might award. And so a guy that has 37 points is probably in the three and a half million dollar range. So it actually is a nice, you know, handy guide ruler, if you will, to do it, you know, sort of back of the napkin math and figure out where a guy might end up being. Yeah, it's definitely a good, uh, good tool to use at times. Um, the other one you look at lately is if you're like a, a half a point a game player, which is, which is 40 points and 80, that kind of gets you three mil, at least for arbitration cases. And you know, the, the devils, they actually elected to take miles wood to uh, arbitration, which doesn't happen very often. They announced that uh, earlier today. So that's uh that's a, an interesting one where a lot of teams, Frank, like the free agent market suddenly got a lot deeper, uh, m- maybe more at the, at the bottom end of the free agent pool. Yeah, where That's what I was thinking. It's, probably more bottom end guys, right? Yeah. Like, but you're having guys as like, I've been doing this. How many of these guys that didn't get qualified today are going to end up in my top 50? Well, Dylan Strom and Kubalik, maybe they they're in there already. We had yeah. them this up this morning. I would say probably Sonny Milano is another one. Um, you know, guy who had a quiet, who had a quiet, good year was Brett Howden in Vegas. Right, younger player who's just starting to get his feet wet. Like he'll sign for a lower term, uh, I would think, than other guys. But th- there's a guy who's, you know, he's, he's a competitive player, highly competitive player, can kill penalties. Um, I think he'll have some value to teams. I'm, I'm curious to see what a guy like. Like, there's a lot of non-big name guys, but here's the thing, Frank. I believe you win free agency when you're going down the bargain bin aisle, and, and, uh, and there's going to be a lot. Andre of Kasha is, is a good example of that. He's one guy that I think helps you win. He's going to be on my top 50 somewhere, probably in the, you know, high twenties, low thirties that, um, you know, just like you mentioned competitive guy, like that's what sets players like him apart is their compete level and all the other things they do for you when they're not scoring. I think you're, you're going to see some young players, Frank, who, who you use that word competitiveness, who I think some teams felt like they didn't have it on a night to night basis. And they're going to be facing two way contracts to try to have to show teams that, Hey, um, you know, if you want to, if you want to get back in the NHL, you're going to have to sign it a, a two way deal. Now, sure. You might get 150 or 200. You're not going to get like, you know, 70,000, like your ELC, but it's a, it's a real doggy dog roll out there now. And the top end, uh, you know, we're making so much more of the money in the flat cap era that the the middle and the bottom guys are just getting squeezed tighter and tighter all the time. Left and right, they're getting squeezed. It's there's no harder time, I think, to be a free agent as a three or four million dollar player than right now. Uh, that'll change when the cap goes back up, I think. But I also think teams have recognized that you don't want to be paying guys that are pay, playing in your bottom six three and a half million bucks or 2.75 million bucks. It it doesn't work. It may work for one year, but it doesn't work on a four year deal. 
it's different if you're paying a guy that's, you know, playing spot, you know, second pair, third pair minutes that you can sort of adjust and move all over your lineup defensively, but it doesn't work for third line guys. No, not at all. So now let's look at some of the, uh, the top names on your board, Frank. Obviously, Johnny Gaudreau has been at the top. Philip Forsberg signed. We talked about that uh, on Friday from the draft where we said it was close and he gets the eight years, 8.5 in, in Nashville. So Johnny Gaudreau, Nazem Kadri uh, are at the top. What's your sense? You know, uh, Johnny Gaudreau, you know, New Jersey, Philly have been Calgary have been talked about for a long time. I don't think it's a big surprise, but what's your sense telling you about Nazem Kadri and, and who might be going after him? Massive money. Um I think for sure it's an AAV that starts with an eight. Um, curious about the term because he is a little bit older. He's almost for sure not going back to Colorado. And I've just heard repeatedly that one team that has set Nazem Kadri above and beyond on their list is the New York Rangers. Really? I don't I don't know about some of the others, but that seems to be one. I think they view him as like plug him right in. He's going to take over Ryan Strom's minutes, Ryan Strom's, you know, everything be there to see for the next however long. And that's that. Hmm. They love his compete in the playoffs. Yeah. So the Rangers for, uh, for Kadri, um That's just a pure, by the way, like some of these, you know, I'll let you, the listener, decide what is, you know, cooked and what isn't. I, that one, I don't think is. The, I truly uh, think that's one of those. There's a few guys that are, you know, 12 noon, like the clock is really just starting. Yeah. So uh, Rangers there. That makes sense. Um, you know, you've, you've been all over the Gaudreau and Calgary right from the get go. And um, you know, th- this is unlike other years, Frank, where we talked earlier about how teams came back at the last minute with the final offer. Toronto's been, I mean, Calgary's been full court pressed the entire time on Johnny Gaudreau. And now maybe he comes back at the last minute and, uh, and pulls a, a Gabriel Landeskog like last year, or do you think he's going to market and then uh, isn't coming back? I, I don't have ev- any evidence to point to as much as I think things have been positive at times and also waffled negative. I don't have any evidence to point to, to say that Johnny Gaudreau is going to circle back. It's gone on so long. There's been so little traction, so little communication, you know, they've, I, sh- I should take that part back. They've communicated fine throughout the process and have been in touch at all points. But there's been no, like, it's like, hey, when can we negotiate? When can we, you know, when can we really begin to dig in here? And, and it's like, you know, Johnny's trying to make up his mind. That's That's been the refrain time after time after time. And when you get six weeks in, seven weeks in, that's how long it's been since the Flames bowed out in the Battle of Alberta in the second round, that if Johnny Gaudreau is coming back, he's, he's got a really weird way of showing it you know, where's the love? Like I, the flames have given him plenty. They've put a massive offer on the table. They're willing to go deeper and yet there's been no movement. So no, nothing to point to. There's nothing that I can say at this moment, Monday night, eight 30 Eastern July 11th, as we're barely 24 hours away from the flames, losing their ability to offer an eighth year, which basically makes their offer the same as everyone else's they lose their big chip in 24 hours. So the fact that nothing's changed on Monday, that really seemed to be the day that, you know, if it was going to happen, rubber was going to meet the road. And I, I just don't, I've heard nothing new to this point. And again, all of that subject to change, maybe something does happen. I just don't have anything that I can tangibly point to and say, yes, you know, Cal- he's going to circle back to Calgary. Well, um, Ken Holland and the orders gave uh, Evander Kane um, freedom to talk to other teams, Frank. And and uh, Evander Kane wants term on top of a, of a big ticket here. And um, I, I'm curious if a team would be willing to go even five years uh, with Evander Kane when you consider on ice. I don't think there's any question about his ability, but he, he does have, you know, two franchises in Winnipeg and San Jose where teammates were just like, hey, we're done. And, and I wonder how much, if any, that plays a factor in the term for uh, for Evander King, because I can tell you, I think, 
Like the NHL, I think, is hoping that he gets a longer term deal and then just drops the lawsuit and they just wa- walk that's away not happen. from San Jose. And I agree with you, but I think that's what the NHL is hoping will happen. Um, and that's that. The, by the way, like the Oilers, I think, have tried to be very creative in offering solutions to help end this dispute and maybe even coax San Jose into the idea of ending it. Uh, with Evander Kane, a settlement. They, I, I think they've sort of proposed the idea of like, hey, we will, whatever you don't get from San Jose, we'll make you whole. We'll top you up. That has been of no interest. My sense is that Evander Kane has said to them, at least through his agent, has said, whatever happens on the settlement is one thing. And whatever happens on the contract front and free agency is another. Those are two separate issues. And if he gets money from both that Evander Kane, the plan is to double dip. And I have no, like, there's no issue with that whatsoever. Uh, That is certainly his prerogative and right to do so. Uh, There also is a chance that the Sharks just win the grievance case and he ends up with nothing, Mm -hmm. uh, which should be considered. But what I love from the Edmonton Oilers is Evander Kane's camp as they met on Sunday has remained incredibly steadfast in their belief that they're getting somewhere between 40 to $50 million on the open market, which by pure math would indicate that they think that they can get a six or a seven year deal from somewhere. I don't know where that is, but what I love about what the Oilers have done is they're like, go ahead. You think you can get it, go do it. And Mm -hmm. we'll see how that works out. They've essentially called Evander Kane's bluff and said, we gave you a lifeline. We put you in a perfect spot to succeed. And it's been mutually beneficial. We'd like to continue the relationship. We've made what we feel is a fair offer, given your circumstances and and your past history. There were various reports on Monday that it was either a three or a four year deal. I don't think they were willing to go beyond that. No. And understandably so. Like I, best that he wears out his welcome. So if you can get a six or a seven year deal, by all means, go ahead. I, I just personally, and it only takes one. I just don't know who's doing it. Well, and then the other thing comes down to the the teams that can do it, Frank, are teams that are likely in a position not to be competitive. So does he just want the money, or does he want to be on a competitive team? Because I think he needs the the money. Yeah. So, um, and if, if that's what it's all about, like no issue there either. Like you've got your life to live and your own obligations. So I get it. Um, you know, I would say that it was interesting to me to hear that after all that stuff became public today and some other names seem to be linked to the Oilers through various reports, um, including Connor Brown and some others that, all of a sudden it, it sounded at least initially like the Kane camp may have changed their tune. Well, what do you mean you're thinking of other guys? So I don't know, maybe that's uh, maybe the Oilers have successfully called that bluff and maybe they end up working something out. I don't know. Yeah. There, there is a lot of there. Cause I look at Gaudreau and Kadri and Kane and Klingberg and Kemper is I think the guys who are probably going to get the most money at their position that are free agents. But then there's a bunch of guys who are really good players, right? Like you got Trocheck and, and you got Nita Ryder and you got Strom and you got Cop and you go down the list of other, you know, Jack Campbell, etc. Although we, I think both of us agree with him. Campbell's probably going Edmonton. But what, what do you make of, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes? And I know that they think that the Cockney Image is going to take one of those guys spots and, and he, he very well, he's might that's the plan. That. Yeah. But um, where do you see landing spots for Trocheck and, and Nita Ryder? And what's what's the market for guys like that? Are they five million dollar players for like three years? I think or so. they get longer. I, I no, I, I don't know about term, but I think so. Um, there seem to be some interest in Trocheck in Detroit. Um. He did play his junior hockey in Michigan, both Saginaw and Plymouth, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Pittsburgh kid. um, I'm sure they're watching the situation with Evgeny Malkin and what happens there. And I think the Penguins would be wise to try and get in on that if they could. Uh, Don't know if that's going to be possible. 
Cop, I think, is looking at a longer term. I think he's in like the six times six neighborhood. What? Yep. Wow. Very close to it. If not, you know, five years times six million, five years times five, seven, five. That's the type of world cops in. He's just such a smart player and he's reliable. He plays both ends. He scores you 50 points and he's a really good player. Yeah. Um, I don't know where he's going though. I don't know where that, that fit is. Well, see, that's the question, right? Some guys are going to, if they want the money and I understand to get in the security for life, I totally get it. But you you might be lowering your odds of being on a competitive team. That's just, it's very, I don't think so. I think cop is looking at somewhere between five to 10 teams with significant serious interest that are all in the upper echelon of the NHL. Well, I guess Colorado, if they're losing Codry, right? They could, uh, they could do it. There'd be a whole host of teams that would love to get Andrew Cop. Of Jenny Malkin and Pittsburgh Penguins, it uh, sounds like uh, he's going to go to market. Frank, uh, I, I put it out there already, uh, just for the sheer storyline. Uh, Malkin in Wa- in Washington would be my favorite landing spot for Jenny Malkin. I'm not sure it's realistic, but it would be interesting. Um, I'm very curious because Malkin was a point of game player last year, but unfortunately he missed half the season. Right, like he when he's in the lineup, he's still a highly productive player but he misses quite a bit, quite a few games uh, every year, last year being 40 games. Um, Where do you, what do you make of Malkin? Do you think there's any chance him and the Penguins will reunite? I think there is some chance. Um, I think the Penguins were absolutely floored when they got the call on Monday. And I think it's, you know, it's funny this lingered on for so long that I just mentioned some of the other deals where it was like, you had a real opportunity to just get this done and end it that the penguins seem to be their own worst enemy here. Um, I don't know that it's totally, I don't know that the door is totally closed yet on Malkin and Pittsburgh, but it feels like it's trending in that direction. Um, There was all sorts of, back and forth in the reporting on Sunday and Monday about Malkin and the details. The clearest indication I have and not gospel is that the Penguins did put a fourth year on the table. And I think that was the sticking point the entire time. But I think what happened was it came too late. Um, I don't know. I don't know the total you know, breakdown, but it seemed like what they were trying to do was get Evgeny Malkin on a deal for four years in the same sort of AAV window as Chris Letang. And I think he was so bothered by the idea of like, Hey, I, you know, like Letang, I helped deliver you three Stanley cups. I want a hard trophy. I've got a con Smythe trophy. Um, why hasn't there been more respect? And I don't know. I would argue given the injuries, the term and dollar that he's been provided is probably pretty fair. I agree. Uh, but I'm also not Evgeny Malkin and I don't, you know, I don't know what it's like to go through that you know, situation as a hall of fame player. Um, I wonder if he's willing to go somewhere on a one year deal at a higher AAV just to see what it's like. And I, they don't have any cap space. But Evgeny Malkin lives in Florida. He lives on Fisher Island, actually, one of the most exclusive zip codes in the world. And I wonder about the Panthers. Oh, yeah. Hey, um, like the, the one name that that I, I, I've heard people connecting Claude Giroux to Edmonton, Frank, I just I can't see it. I don't see how a guy who's going to be 35 next season is suddenly going to leave the, uh, the the easy, pretty travel of Philly. And I know he played briefly in Florida to want to go to Edmonton, which is one of the tougher travel schedules in the NHL. Like I just, I'd be flabbergasted. I don't think by that's that. a possibility. Yeah. Like I don't, I, I don't think if Evander Kane's not coming back, I think some of the options for Edmonton include David Perron. Yeah. Um, I think they would include, I don't know. I don't have the list in front of me as to what I was, you know, trying to map out that might make sense, but I think Perron would be in that group. Um, you know, need a rider. I don't think stylistically that's the type of fit that they'd like. He doesn't, 
he, you can say a lot about Perron, but man, that dude's got an edge to his game. Oh, well, that, you know, Niederreiter thing, does not have that. No, the, the orders, they need some like Dylan Strom doesn't have that either. And I know no. there's a lot of people trying to connect him and McDavid. And I'm just like, I, the junior I don't connection. Really, the, I don't see that. I mean, it's possible. I don't, I don't see that. No, no. I, uh, um, you know who I like for Edmonton, Frank? Patrick Vitrano. That's a guy. And I actually like Frank Vitrano for a lot of teams. Frank Vitrano is basically a three-time 20-goal scorer who no one ever talks about as a 20-goal scorer. What a pickup that was. And that was one thing going back to Florida and, and their yeah. season. Some hubris there, I think, in terms of how that worked out. You know, offloading Frank Vitrano as a cap casualty to bring in some of these other guys. And he outplayed them, frankly, in the Rangers playoff run. Hey, I like Frank Retrano a lot. I think there's a lot of team like that guy. He, he, I think he's he's going to be in my bargain bin shopping, Frank, because for whatever reason, there's going to be other guys who are going to get more money than him. And I don't think there. I don't think they bring as much. He's he, I like he's competitive. He's a smart player. He's got an ability to finish. Um, I, I like Vitrano a lot. And I look at teams like the, you know, if the Calgary Flames lose Johnny Gaudreau, I'm fascinated what angles they're going to go at. Um, you know, because then there's the whole Matthew Kachuk scenario. Now let's move to the back end, Frank. And the biggest name out there is, of course, uh, John Klingberg. Um, uh, Mike Greer today in San Jose. I keep telling you in my report, I, you know, I'm, if there was one trade, I think it's Burns to Dallas later on. So keep thinking about that. Mike Greer didn't, uh, didn't put any uh, water on that uh, uh, Burns trade rumor today. But John Klingberg, is the one defenseman I'm very intrigued to see you know what he gets his term like can he get in the same category of the guys last year or is he coming a step below them at the nine million range like million like Wierenski got nine million I don't even think he's in the eights yeah okay well that's what I'm asking but yeah I don't I don't uh I don't know I you just hit me like with a brick when you asked me that I'm but they like, jumped up out of nowhere last year. I felt like it. No one thought anybody was going to get nine. All of a sudden, four guys got nine million last summer. Like I agree with you. I don't think he's there, but I didn't think any of them were at nine million last year. Well, I think there's been a correction kind of since then, right? Like if you if all those teams could do all those deals over, aside from Macar, right? Like all well, those yeah, teams he's could, yeah, he wasn't a UFA. They're, so, yeah. they're probably all wanting do-overs, aren't they? Well, yeah, but. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean it only takes one as we've said. Exactly. I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I think he's in like the mid sevens. And I, for some reason, Frank, this, the Seattle Kraken, I don't know why I think they got money to spend. And for some reason, it makes sense. I mean, I kind of makes sense. He's, he's on the younger end of free agency, someone that can be there for a while and they've got money to spend and would like to improve. It's not now, necessarily about next year for John Klingberg and the crack. If he were to go to the crack no. and it would be about two years, three from years, now, whenever it is three years. From yeah. Now. So, um, any, anything uh, new on some of your trade bait board guys, has anything changed uh, since the draft Petrie Krug, those type of guys? No, I think Montreal is still working on, on Petrie. I think the blues have tried to create some salary cap space. I reported, you know, just before we did the pod that, David Perron is likely heading to market. And the reason for that is they can't actually make him a bona fide offer right now because they don't have cap space. Um, there seemed to be some rumor that popped up over the last couple of days. I hadn't seen it in many places, but Joel Edmondson was rumored from Montreal. I don't, I don't think they're moving Edmondson. Um, the D market kind of gets thin in a hurry, doesn't it? It like does. You, you've got the the top end guy in Klingberg and Latang was up there. And, you know, the fall off is pretty swift, is it not? Oh, it's like I, Brett Kulak and... Uh... He, he might be the, the number one uh, left D potentially um, out there. Possibly. Now, you, you, some, some will ben argue Sherrod that. Is in that. Yeah, Sherratt might be the other one. But, you know, either way, it's not like there's, you know, there's some good quality, you know, number four defensemen out there, some third pairing guys, you know, uh, Zadorov is out there. Um, Erica Branson, I think, uh, changed a lot of people's minds in, in how he played last year in that in that system in Calgary, where uh, you know, big physical defenseman. So um, you know, you just you don't want those. You don't want Zadorov to have to play against McDavid. That's all, right? Like he can uh, right. he can light you up. That's the difference. Kulak, um, I think 
it's too soon to call right now, whether he goes to market or not. I think the Oilers with their cap space, were hoping to have more traction to this point on Kulak. I think it's fair to say, uh, but I think they were scheduled to meet on Monday afternoon. And I don't know the end result of that. I think they've gone back and forth on a number of different options, including some longer term deals. And then, you know, I think the thought process from Kulak's end was, should we go shorter term, go like two years, something like that, maybe add a little bit of a higher AAV to see if we could cash in later. Um, so I think all options are still on the table with Kulak and the Oilers. I, you know, after losing Duncan Keith, they'd really like to at least have, you know, some bodies back there with experience. Um, Tyson Barry, it's interesting though. We talked about this last or two pods ago, I think when we were in person in Montreal and just because Keith is not coming back doesn't mean, and by the way, the Oilers are expected to have a press conference on Tuesday, uh, formally announcing Duncan Keith's retirement. They wanted to give him a big send off, which I understand for a hall of famer. And by all accounts, he loved his time in Edmonton. Um, Tyson Barry is still a viable trade target. JT Miller. JT Miller. I, I can't figure that one out to save the life of me. So I'm not even going to speculate. There was lots of reporting about the oiler or not the Oilers, excuse me, the Canucks and the Islanders. And I don't know where that went, what happened there. Um, they seem to deny it. Lou Lamorello saying immediately afterwards, um, you need to ask Vancouver, which I thought was great. And I think what's happened with Miller is a lot of these teams that have money to spend, um, or at least are in contender mode and are looking for pieces. They're thinking, well, since we need to pay JT Miller anyway, is it, rather than give up mega assets yeah. to get him, is it worth just going on the free agent market? Cause you can get a guy who maybe is younger or the same age. JT Miller's going to the first, when the first year of his next deal ends, he's going to be 31. Can you get a player who's younger and not give up any assets that ultimately gives you a similar or same type impact? And I think that's what some of those teams are considering. And I, and the other thing I heard on Miller was, not as many teams were in on it as you think. So significant interest, but not as many teams. All right. Uh, we're going to get to uh, fill in the blank in a second. Uh, brought to you by the 2022 double IHF world juniors. What's a better way uh, to cool off uh, this summer than in the rink during the first ever summer world juniors, of course, uh, postponed from uh, December, uh, single game tickets for the tournament are on sale now starting at just 40 bucks. So uh, grab your sunglasses. The brightest stars in the junior game are coming to Edmonton for the uh, 2022 double IHF world juniors. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Ty, how you doing? I am ready to go with a new edition of Fill in the Blank delivered by DoorDash. Rundown DD gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Wednesday, free agency. That's a great day to just sit on Twitter all day and not worry about cooking. Uh, let's dig into it with a little bit of the news that we got today of the RFA options who were not qualified. The most surprising name on the non-qualified list is blank. Frank? Probably Sonny Milano. Um, he was a huge part of the Trevor Zegers goal. Played so well with Zegers, 14 goals. Younger player, Anaheim has no cap space issues, needs to spend $17 million to get to the floor. None of these QOs like really are like earth shattering, but I felt like that would have just been an easy one to bring back for one more year and then see what happens. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ilya Samsonov. I know they're worried about a potential arbitration case, but they don't have a goalie right now. Now, which leads me to believe they might know who their goalie is. But, um, you know, he's 25 years of age. And historically, when you look at goalies, lots of them don't find their way at the NHL level. You know, some would argue that he probably got rushed. They should have kept him in the American League for another year and just let him develop longer because it's hard to develop in the NHL. I strongly believe the NHL is not a developmental league. Right. It's a production league and it's hard, but that's the reality of it. So I'm going to go with Samson off because he's a young goalie, 25. And and now I think some team, right, you might not get the best out of Samson off this year. But, man, I'd be very intrigued to want to sign him to a multi-year deal. And I think that that guy could really pan out and be a steal in the future. He's also someone that's homegrown and has pedigree. First round pick in 2015, I think it was. So that's it's a really good pick, Jay. Um they think he's somewhere between three and three and a half on an ARB case, and they simply can't afford to pay that given what they're likely to pay their next guy. And, <laughs> uh, and so now they're in a spot where they got to get someone cheaper, but that someone cheaper is also going to need to be a contributor. So that's the other really interesting part of free agency is like, yeah, the starters are one thing. It feels like all those chairs are kind of spoken for. But what about all the backups? There aren't enough to go around like some team somewhere is going to have to go find themselves a Vejmelka or someone like last year the Coyotes did that just you'd never heard of before. Yeah, San Jose's got three goalies. I've got to think they're going to be moving one of them, right? They just qualified Cap, Okak, and, and Aiden Hill. I'm not saying any of those guys are, are, are world busters. They probably want to keep James Reimer, but he's probably the, the most tradable of the three. Interesting. Yeah. Reimer, a dependable veteran who put up some really good numbers for San Jose last season. Uh, let's go to the UFAs. You know, there's a lot of talk and we're all chuckling in the talk on Twitter. Oh, we know where like three or four guys are going. Like, come on. But who is the UFA you're most intrigued to see in you know, the situation play out on Wednesday, Jason? Well, I think it's Evander Kane because we're still, we don't know about what's uh, going to happen with San Jose. Um, our team's going to give him term. He's just coming off the greatest four months of his career, right? He scored 22 goals in 39 regular season games that he added 15 or sorry, 13 goals in the, in the postseason uh, for the Edmonton orders like those. Those are huge numbers, huge numbers. And will a team want to give term because I don't think anybody really, I don't think giving him the salary is the big issue, right? He had a $7 million salary before he just scored that. You're like, oh, okay, he's a $7 million player. That's fine. Yeah. It's more so the term. So I'm intrigued by, uh, by that uh, fall very closely by Johnny Gaudreau, man, because that's the second leading score in the NHL could be leaving the Calgary flames. Like that's just, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in the NHL where guys with 115 points say sayonara. You're, you're right. Cause it almost feels like, we're numb to the Goudreau talk. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, like, you know, he's a free agent. We've been it's talking about this for 12 Goudreau. months. Um, but your answer is Goudreau, Frank? Yeah, not even close. Like, okay. where does it, where is it? That's what I, like, everyone's heard. Islanders, Devils, Flyers. Is there some team that we haven't talked about? Like, they clearly must have something good. The fact that they're not even willing to engage really with the Flames. Like, that's yeah. that's what I keep coming back to is, they must have something in their pocket. The other one, not nearly on the same scale. Um, it, I'm really curious about Mason Marchman. Um, and we talked about his, his dad, Brian, passing away last week, tragically at the draft at age 53. 
such a tough week to turn around and now have this, you know, major milestone marquee moment that you've probably been dreaming of hitting free agency in your career, but they're thinking he's getting, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of Carter Verhage money, three times four and a half. He doesn't have the track record really to suggest that other than the fact that he put up 48 points in a UFA year. He didn't really play in the NHL before that. So that's a really tricky one, I think. But I'd imagine someone somewhere will pay it. Fair enough. Uh, let's stick on Goudreau then for the third question here. Uh, not not the most likely option, but your question is blank would be the Flames' best backup option if Goudreau were to leave town. Frank? I can't even hazard a guess. Oh. Um, <laughs> like like I, the way I'm framing this is like if you were in the GM chair and Goudreau leaves, like who, who would be number two on your list? Is like, okay, that's the UFA we got to go get. No one. Okay. That would be my answer. I would say, I don't think there's a free agent out there that's close. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be ponying up any money, getting myself into trouble, chasing something because you didn't land it. I honestly, and truly believe this. If the Calgary flames don't get Johnny Gaudreau, that they are going to be forced to trade Matthew Kachuk and they're going to have to basically start over. Wow. Frank or Jason. Wow. I know. Um, Spicy. Yeah, I agree with Frank. There's no one that's going to go out there and score 115 points for you. Right. Uh, I look at the style of how the flames like to play under Daryl Sutter and the one guy, and because they just saw firsthand guys Mm -hmm. because uh, Evander Kane took Matthew Kachuk out of that series. What if they put him on the same line? And I, you know what I said earlier about Malkin, I just like the juicy rivalries. What if Kane's all of a sudden in Calgary, him and Kachuk, I'll tell you, Matthew Kachuk didn't like it when Kane was against him, but he would absolutely love, he would run around even more than he does at times if, if Kane was there. Now, Kane's not going to score like Goudreau straight up. He's not going to replace his points, right? You're going to have to hope that other guys down the line, maybe Manji Apani, somebody else in a different role will, will elevate. But if you look at just strictly wingers to score points, he might be your best option. He's not going to have to cost you as much either, but that might be your, your best option, Frank, if they don't want to tear it down. I, I, I don't. So put yourself in Matthew Kachuk's shoes. You're one year away from unrestricted free agency. Why would you sign long-term if Johnny's not back? Yeah, that's fair. I personally, yeah. I wouldn't, but I, I mean, I'm also not Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, two more for you guys. Fourth one here. We talked about this a little bit in the last podcast. And again, we don't need to speculate into it too deep, but there is a blank percent chance that both Taves and Kane, both Taves and Kane finish next season with the Chicago Blackhawks, Frank. Fifty? I don't know. Fifty fifty. That's fair. I think it's hard to trade Taves. I think I think yeah. Kane's gonna I think it's hard to trade Taves too. I was doing mm-hmm. a hit today with uh Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne on Sportsnet. And I said, I, I think it's hard to trade Taves. And he said, teams would be lining up. And I just said, maybe I'm reading the market wrong. I just don't, I don't think he has that much left. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the experience factor. Maybe someone would, if the Hawks retained half and clearly money is not an obstacle with their cap yeah. situation, they're actively offloading players. Um, I think the much better chance to go is Patrick Kane. And I also think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in somewhat short order. Oh, I agree. I think Kane move Taves. You might be able to trade him if he has a good first half of the season, because then they would look and say, okay, he's healthy again. But like, he had 37 points last year in 71 games. And, you know, it came off the, obviously the, the brutal uh, long COVID the year before that. So we'll see if, if he can come back and, and be the player that he was. It's been a long time since Taves has been a really good player though. Yeah, that's fair. All right, we're going to wrap it up with the Points Bet Canada bonus question. Shout out to Points Bet Canada live in Ontario. That is where we are going. Your last question, I'll get out of here quick. I just want a one-word answer from you guys. Give me one word to describe the Leafs' decision to go with Matt Murray between the pipes. Frank? Risky. Jason? Ballsy. All right, and with that, I am out. That's another edition of Fill in the Blank. Now, speaking of Matt Murray, uh, I know Lee fans are probably like, are you kidding me? Um, you, you look at what if he's good, by the way. 
Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. You know what? Like he, if, if you if you want know, to, still- like, uh, the the Sens have not been a good team. Yes. So much of what happens with goaltenders is dependent on what happens in front of them. He's yeah. clearly comfortable going to Toronto because he blocked the no trade to Buffalo, thinking that Toronto might be an option. He's got the familiarity with the coach and the GM. What if he turns it around? He's one of those players that we saw in those cup runs that was supremely confident. He went to Ottawa and he barely looked human at times. It looked like you could see right through him. Does he get some swagger back? Well, well, here's the thing about Matt Murray. Like, yeah, you know, he struggled, but he still had a 906 save percentage, which it is, is basically the most misleading stat ever. He did have a really good stretch last year, but from, my God, he was bad for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was bad, but he had a really good stretch from like, and then he got hurt, right? He had that good stretch from for like, I want to say 14 games. He was pretty solid. But then in the other ones, you're right. But when you have that stretch that still shows you're capable of it, and uh, it, to me, it's, I'm, I'm more concerned, Frank, honestly, is can he stay healthy? Because I think it. when he plays, I think he can play. Honestly, I think he can. Because honestly, in today's NHL, all you, you just need, need a 905. No, you just all, need if, a, if you're the Leafs and you score that much, 905 probably gets it done. Oh, probably. But even 915, I, I would say realistically you're comfortable with, right? Which is still pretty good. Heck, 912. But can he stay healthy? And then the other question is, who? because I don't think you can overplay Matt Murray. He's never been a guy who plays tons of games. So who is going to be their kind of 1B that they can get a comfortable 30 to 35 games from? That's the part I don't know. Maybe that is Ilya Samsonov. I don't know. I'm just, uh, who, who else is out there? Like, it's probably, I'm just going through the backup list. It's probably not Charlie Lindgren. It's probably not Yarrow Halak, probably not Martin Jones. I don't, I don't know. Like who, who stands out to you? Wow. That, that, that to me is the question because he's never played more than 50 games, Frank. He's played 15, 49, 49. So let's just say, you know, 32 games. Who do you like Dave Riddich, right? Oh, um, been there, done that. Like the, the, there's not you a watch him in Nashville in the playoffs. Yeah, I know. There's, there's not a, there's not a ton of guys, right. That, uh, you know, you met Martin Jones, like, I'm not sure how much, he, how much he's got left. Maybe, um, you know, Yarrow Halak's what? 37, 38. Like, you know what? They Toronto might be calling San Jose, right? Like maybe they try to get Aiden Hill out of uh, out of San Jose. That would make sense. What? Right? I still didn't understand the Jake Allen rumors from Montreal. Like, well, the, he's their goalie, isn't he? If Carey Price can't play, who else are you putting in net? Hundred percent. I didn't understand that from Jump Street when I saw it this weekend. Like, what? Yeah, it didn't. I still I, think uh, it's not going to happen with the Leafs because I don't think Lou Lamorello is handing. The Leafs, any Barlamov? Uh, yeah, but I would have to think at some point some team is desperate enough that they just offer something that Lou Lamorello can't refuse. That's fair, right? What it is, is it? What? So, oh, well, I don't know. What do you got? I'm 10 just million. trying to think. Who Eric Comrie? Like who? Who are some of the other guys out there? Eric Comrie, you know what? He's an interesting one. Um, he's not proven though. Right. So that'd be a risk. So then you'd need Comrie and you need a number three. Right. So you can kind of go back and forth with them. Right. That's that's where they're at. So it's a it's a tough. A lot of teams still need number two. Hey, I was just going to say there's lots of teams who need it. I like uh, Buffalo needs a one. Chicago needs a two. Well, Samson off to Buffalo is the one that makes the most sense to me. They could pay him. Right. They've got Anderson as a veteran guy to learn from and work with him a little bit, because I do think there's an advantage of having a veteran goalie sometimes rather than just a goalie coach with you. Right. And Samsonov and Vanishek were battling. They're trying to be friends, but they're battling for the job and they don't really have enough experience to, to give each other any insight on anything. So honestly, I think Samsonov to Buffalo makes a lot of sense to me. Louis Domingue. I, I'm just I you run out of names quickly. No. Very quickly, unless there's some year like you, you, you know, Veg Melko is a great example. Like maybe there's some guy out there that we have. And there's always there's always two goalies, Frank, that we're going to talk about during the season. We're like, where'd that guy come from? Happens every year. The nature of the position. And that's why for everyone shitting on the Leafs, I'm no apologist. Just it's the most fickle position in sports. 
Yeah. I will say that Charlie Lindgren is going to get a lot of interest from teams. There's a lot. I've talked to a lot of like Mike McKenna. There's a lot of goalie guys who think Charlie Lindgren could be ready to pop as, you know, even as pop to be a solid, solid backup. Mike was saying this season, Charlie Lindgren was the best number three in the league. So yeah, that means that means when there are no goalies, you're now a number two. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if Miko Koskin, maybe he just wanted a lifestyle, but man, he might've read the tea leaves wrong. He probably could have been well sought after this summer. I, I tweeted that yesterday. He could have made 3 million bucks this summer. I don't know what he's getting in Lugano. Sort of the guys cap out in that league around 500, 700, 800 euros with rare exceptions. And maybe he's, he is one of those. And maybe it's just wanted to be closer to family or get out from uh, you and the Edmonton media. Um, it feels like a tactical error. Yeah. Well, he also made 13 and a half mil. So maybe he's just like, you know what? I'm good. I'm comfortable. I can get all the euros and relax. I do know. I talked to Miko, the, uh, the lockout year, not the lockout, the COVID year when he was away from his young kids and his wife, like that really, really weighed on him. It was not easy. And as, as a father, I can understand it like that. That's something that he just, he, I don't know if he ever really got over it. It really bothered him. And I, and I can respect that from as, as a father, we probably need more men like that. So, you know, that's a really good thing for him. And, but uh, yeah, you're right. He might've, he might've sold himself short but maybe money isn't everything for him he wants some uh, some happiness and you know fewer games and, and play a lot longer and not be injured but um the uh, the backup goaltender situation frank is going to be almost as uh, interesting as the uh, the starting goaltenders although if we had to bet right now kemper washington campbell and uh, edmonton would seem to be the uh, easy bets to make yes uh and given that this is our last show before the the free agency opens on at 12 noon on July 13th, well, you may have some educated guesses. Yes, we will. Uh, and then we will have a breakdown on Thursday. We're going to have a special Thursday pod this week. Uh, usually we're Friday, but we'll do it Thursday after day one of uh, free agency. Frank, uh, feel better, and uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.